you know, in retrospect, like all the validation interviews we did sort of were pointed at, yeah, this would be amazing. This would be, this would really help us understand, you know, how to improve our applications better, so forth. We had about 25 validation interviews before we even started writing any, any kind of specs or for like what an MVP would be. And I think one of the mistakes that we made in, in that whole exercise, the questions we asked were there to reaffirm what we thought we knew versus them being kind of more open and My name's Prabhjot Singh. I'm the CEO of Pies. This is Code Story, the podcast bringing you interviews with tech visionaries who share in the critical moments of what it takes to change an industry and build and lead a team that has your back. I'm your host, Noah Labhart, and today how Prabhjot Singh is leading the charge to digitally transform low-touch processes and task mining. All this and more on Code Story. Prabhjot Singh has been in enterprise software for the last 22 years, so he's seen a thing or two. He joined Citibank out of school and did a leadership program there for 10 months. Post that, he progressed into the startup world and never left. He got to be a part of early stage growth, acquisitions, and scaling businesses over a short period of time. He's married and the father of a four-year-old, which he notes keeps him sane during his startup life. He mentions that a huge blessing from the pandemic has been the time he's been able to spend with his wife and daughter, working on a fully remote team. They started hiking during the pandemic to balance the lack of activity and, of course, to use all of their daughter's energy so she would sleep at night. He started out his current venture in the B2C space. When they weren't seeing the user growth they needed, they pivoted their capabilities to fit the enterprise over the average Joe consumer with the mission of making enterprises successful. In doing so, they realized that their focus shouldn't just be the application. It should also be the process. This is the creation story of Pies. Pies is all about helping organizations achieve operational excellence. So helping each company execute at its best and most efficient ability. And, and what that means is we analyze key business processes that uh, a company does, and we identify how they can execute those processes better, right? And, and we do that at two levels. We, we will do that at a workflow level, right? So you think about an insurance company, right? That, uh, what does an insurance company do, right? They sell insurance policies. Uh, so there's sort of a deal management system, right, that uh, looks at how those policies get sold, uh, all the way from initiation, all the way to kind of that sale being made, right? They, they process claims and you know, they, they do customer service, right? So there's a few critical functions that every business has to do in order for them to be successful. And what Pies has done is really automated this process of understanding how work gets done within an organization and mapping that and visually displaying that and identifying where there's bottlenecks, right? So we do that at the process level and the workflow level to sort of show, hey, there's 
10 different ways that you can sell an insurance policy or, or, or process a claim. And you know, these patterns are inefficient or cost the company a lot more than these other patterns, right? So you can then address those with, you know, whether it's better training or uh, automation, right? Or re-architecting uh, how the flow of work happens. That's, that's one aspect of what we do. And then as you drill down a little bit, right? If I'm, uh, if one of my key processes is customer service, right? There's tasks that people have to do to execute that process, right? Someone has to do intake, whether it's through email or someone calling in, right? There's escalations that happen where you might need to get a manager involved. There's some back and forth in terms of document processing. So we then drill down at the task level to help identify where there's issues with task processing, right? So the goal is make the process efficient and make your people as productive as they can be doing what they're doing. So we, we do that for the, some of the largest enterprises in the world. We actually started uh, you know, in the B2C space, right? Business to consumer space, uh, looking at helping people make their mobile applications more effective and more productive, right? So think, think about it as like Flurry 2.0 or a better version of Google Analytics. And it, it was sort of a freemium product that we initially built and launched to the market. And you know, in order to make a business like that scale, you really need millions of, of users, right? Because it was a, it was a free, free solution to start with. We, you know, we, we had sort of a, a data monetization angle to it. We had uh, premium services that we started to offer on top of that. And you know, we got to tens of thousands of users, but it, it really didn't feel like we were going to get to millions of users, right? So we, 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 did, a, we did a pivot, right? And uh, we said, okay, well, you know, we've got these amazing capabilities that we've used. And what we essentially realized was our capabilities were kind of overkill for you know, the average Joe mobile developer. So we kind of went back a bit to the drawing board. We looked at the the capabilities that we had the you know the technical assets and and then we looked at okay how can we apply these to the enterprise right with a uh, with a mission of helping enterprise applications be successful and and as soon as we did that uh, it became very clear that it wasn't just about the application right uh, applications especially in in the, in the enterprise context enable processes Right, whether it's uh, you know I, as a, as a financial institution, I'm helping originate loans and then processing those loans, right? Or if I'm a rideshare company, right? I'm onboarding drivers and I'm you know, providing customer support to drivers and riders, and you know I'm helping orchestrate a process and someone has to book a car, right? So there's different capabilities that are needed to help facilitate an end-to-end -end process in a company. And we very quickly went from this focus on applications to a focus on, on processes. But because we had these capabilities around understanding user behavior and user interactions in an application, we could be really powerful in not just helping describe the process, but actually help uh, with 
the task binding that's required to improve productivity at a, at, a, yeah, at the lowest level of the process. So uh, that has been a really fun journey for us in terms of kind of uh, iterating, uh, you know, the capabilities, sort of helping our, uh, working with our customers to define the direction. And, uh, you know, now we're focused a lot more on using AI to actually find anomalies in the process, right? So if you think about a supply chain, looking at, uh, you know, what are, what, what are sort of blips or glitches in the, in the overall pattern to be able to identify an issue before it actually becomes an issue. Well, let's dive into the MVP. So that first product you built, how long did it take to build and what sort of tools did you use to bring it to life? You know, anytime uh, we're thinking about a feature with, with, with the product team or the engineering team, or, uh, you, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about uh, building something for fun, right? You start with, sort of, you know, balsamic wireframe or, you know, use whatever your favorite wireframe solution to kind of imagine what that product looks like, right? And, and from from there, you have something that you, you, you can go and have a conversation with people, right? Get, get feedback, sort of understand, well, you know, how is this going to be used to solve the problem that we want to we, we want to solve? Because, you know, I, I'm a big fan of sort of lean methodology, uh, being able to quickly iterate to, you know, to get sort of the, the MVP that you might even be ashamed of right out the door. And, uh, you know, but something that actually helps solve even the smallest problem for someone because that becomes a great starting point right to build upon and then iterate on and add more features and add more capabilities but if you just you know go full hog and say okay i know what i'm going to build and you build something you might hit the mark completely for, for any product that's sort of a version one right or a version point one that you ship you, you you're, you're gonna you're gonna make a ton of trade-offs right like the I, I think the the thing to think about is what is the problem that you want that product to solve to be able to demonstrate value to your customer. And if you've got a good handle of that, then you have to figure out how you're going to solve that problem because the product is never going to get you 100% of the way, right? Essentially, what you have to do is figure out how you can solve the problem you want to solve with the product, uh, with with people, with you know other tooling um, to enable the customer to understand the vision and get that value that you want them to achieve. So when we're making decisions, and then the, you know, it, it, so when we initially did the the MVP, the 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 automated insights that you know, we wanted to produce, we essentially ran a, a you know, query one, once every hour, once every six hours to be able to sort of pull those queries and, and then manually push them to each customer's account, right? Rather than sort of the, the, the AI engine sort of having the, the pipelines hooked up to it uh, that was continuously monitoring and looking at that data in real time. So 
it effectively achieved the same thing, but you know, we th th there was some manual uh, interaction that right. Like it, again, that you could even have someone dig through the data and do it manually, uh, you know, at the very beginning. Uh, and that would be a way to potentially get started. I mean, thankfully, we had more more resources and more capabilities to be able to automate that process to a good extent. But you know, this is sort of an uh, an, an example of you know the product doesn't necessarily have to fully deliver on the promise. It can be a combination of product, you know, people, other tooling, right? Best practices that enables you get to the get to the finish line. Okay, so from that point, you, you're getting to the finish line, right? You got your MVP. How did you go about progressing the product from there and, and maturing it? And I'm curious how you went about building your roadmap and then figuring out, okay, this is the next most important thing to build. The way we went about doing it was, was really based on two things. One is our understanding of where the market was going and what the capabilities would be would be needed in the market and the second is understanding from our customers the capabilities that they needed you know today or you know the 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 issues that they were potentially having in terms of using the product right that's those are those are essentially the things that you you want to be able to do is make sure that you know you address sort of the the blocking and tackling things to make the the UX super smooth, easy to navigate, make it intuitive. You know where there's issues with navigation or uh, you know be, because it's an ours is an analytics software, right? If people are interested, then hey, uh, we we really love the visualizations you have, but it'd be great if you could add a heat map, right? For instance. As, as a visualization option. So, you know, when we hear enough of that, you know, we, 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 we drop in a heat map. Um, so that's one aspect of it is just making sure we're listening to customers because your customers are, are the ones that you're focused on making successful. Uh, and, you know, the, the whole goal of kind of developing an MVP is to get to sort of product market fit, right? And product market fit yeah, sure. You could measure in terms of, you know, revenue. A lot of people talk about a million in ARR or, you know, some some financial metric. But to me, it's really about making your first few customers really, really successful and turning them into your advocates and, uh, you know, them sort of getting up every morning, coming to work and being like, oh, I, you know, I, I need to check out pies and see how my product did yesterday, how my process is performing, right? Like when, when you can kind of develop those kind of champions, right, there's certainly the sort of word of mouth um, so, sort of uh, viral effect that happens uh, where they talk to their friends and they talk to their friends and you, you have the opportunity to sort of start scaling. Uh, but it's got to be focused on kind of making your customer successful at the same time, given the resources you have, looking at okay what are the other capabilities that i need to add to continue to be a sort of a you know market leader or be able to get to where the puck is going right so to speak well, let's switch to team 
So how did you go about building your team? And what did you look for in those people to indicate that they were the winning horses to join you? With the team, uh, like I said, I've been doing this for the enterprise software for the last you know, 20 odd years. So you know, thankfully, I've got a kind of good network, good uh, cohort of, uh, of colleagues that I've worked with throughout my career. So I went knocking on the doors of people that I know, right? So um, wh- whether it's someone I'd known socially for you know the last 10 years, right? Uh, our, our, our chief product officer, Mark Adelman, uh, I've, I've known for the last 20 years since since Wiley, right? And one of, you know, you're not often lucky enough to be able to sort of you know, get with get to work with people that you've known you trust implicitly uh, but when you can you know there's there's certainly an acceleration of work getting done right iteration of ideas um, features getting shipped uh, you, you know like everything is is much more synergistic because the team is interconnected right and and that is really important. Uh, you know, as you're getting started, right? Like uh, Montek, who runs operations, customer success, you know, I've known for 25 years, right? Um, so, you, you know, when you've got kind of that level of trust with with the people that you're working with, uh, you know, you can defer decisions. And you know, in, the, in this context, like if um, you know, if Mark or Montek is making a decision, like I, I don't really even need to think about it, right? Because we, we, we have implicit trust. Well, let's flip to scalability then. So did you build this to scale efficiently from day one, or are you fighting this as you grow? Well, the answer is kind of always half and half. We're cloud native, right? We as a company, of course, don't own a single server or laptop. Uh, sorry, we own laptops, but uh, we, we as a company don't own a single server or, or, or desktop machine. Uh, everything that we do is in the cloud, and that gives us inherent scalability, right? We're we're never going to run out of compute resources. Uh, you know, when we have customers saying, "Hey, we need a data center in Australia or uh, in Ireland or Germany," we can spin those up, you know, instantaneously, right? Um, and, and that's the, the, the power of the cloud and kind of making decisions that enable us to leverage you know, the cl- cloud native capabilities, deployment methodologies, right? We use Kubernetes and uh, essentially everything's designed to just scale from an infrastructure perspective. And, and of course, we made those decisions early on uh, because those are the right decisions to make. And if we hadn't, like it would be really, really painful and really, really expensive uh, to be able to scale our operations the, the way we're scaling right now. Um, so that's that's one aspect of it, right? And then the, the, the second aspect of it is, you know, as you're developing sort of an MVP or a, a, a particular, let's say version one or version two of the product that you're rolling out, uh, and, and I think this probably applies forever. Like, I, I don't think you should be thinking what you'll need two or three versions ahead 
from a scalability perspective or being able to manage workload perspective or throughput perspective because you know who knows you 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 might actually be building something completely different right so you've got finite resources you have you should actually invest those in making sure the customers that you have today and the customers that you'll have tomorrow are successful and as you make those customers successful you can start to look at what the you know what the next generation of the of the product should be and and you know make sure that you're staying ahead of the expected load right otherwise um you you have the risk of the system falling over right so it's it's a for any business uh, or any startup rather i should say this is a really fine line to walk and and then of course as you as you scale and you you have to grow very very aggressively you can then afford to sort of over engineer right and 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 have more and more a headroom so to speak right in terms of the capabilities that you're rolling out and uh you know how how efficient you're making making the system overall well as you step out on the balcony and you look across all that you've built what are you most proud of i i think it's the it's the team the people that i work with every day and uh and the and the customers right that we're that we're working with um i you know we've got uh some really really amazing uh customers that put a lot of trust in our system uh to help them make decisions on how they should be operating their business right mission critical platforms uh we work with large enterprises right colliers international which is one of the largest uh global commercial brokers in the world the US Air Force right the US post office right so uh and and we're working with like amazing mission driven people who are all about you know making the processes that they manage more effective more uh you know more robust more resilient and the fact that we get to play a role in enabling that is is just amazing Well, let's flip the script a little bit. So, tell me about a mistake you made and how you and your team responded to it. Going back to right the the initial focus of looking at yeah the the B two C model and focused on kind of app developers. I I think that was the, like you could look back and objectively call that a big mistake, right? Because that 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 cost us about uh, yeah several months of of development, commercialization, uh, and we you know in retrospect, like all the validation interviews we did, sort of uh, were were pointed at. Yeah, this would be amazing. this would be this would really help us understand you know how to improve our applications better so forth and so on right like like all like we had about 25 validation interviews that we we did before we even started writing any any kind of specs or for like what an mvp would be and and i think one of the mistakes that we made in in that whole exercise was like i feel like the questions we asked were like 
were kind of there to reaffirm what we thought we knew versus them being kind of more open-ended, right? And, and like, you know, we never expected these developers to actually, uh, you know, pay for for the solution because we know that app developers in general, you know, don't make a lot of money. Uh, but, you know, I think if we'd asked other questions, we would have realized that, you know, how the product would actually get used and like how many people would actually really, really use it to make decisions wasn't as many as we hoped that there were going to be. And, you know, and that, that was a big business risk for us, right? Because we, we sort of kind of built a product, we, we went to market, right? And, and of course, right, startups only have finite resources. Uh, but I, I'm really proud of the team because, you know, we did sort of take a step back and we realized that it wasn't working. And we, we sort of the, we sort of shifted our focus, um, right, uh, to the enterprise, and and that has been a really, really amazing move for us, right, uh, as a team. Uh, that's an area that you know our team knows really well. We know how to work with enterprise customers, uh, you know what their challenges are, right. So, like our team has the understanding of the DNA of the customers that we're working with, uh, and I, I, and I think that certainly helped us arrive at the right answer and the right product for the right customer for the right problem uh, but you know it took us time to get there what does the future look like for the product and for your team the the product is really getting focused more and more around you, you know don't just help me visualize the business process and identify problems, but help me identify where I might have problems, right? With, with that, so tell me what I don't know, right? Or tell me the questions I should be asking that I'm not asking, right? To put it another way, uh, is, 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 is what, what people want to know. And, and, you know, the reason for that is that there's so much data out there, right? Um, to, to generally analyze. And let's say I, I'm looking at a, um, a you know a, a customer onboarding a, a process or let's say I'm looking at a manufacturing uh, process right in which I'm producing thousands and thousands of parts or I'm onboarding hundreds of customers right whatever the process is uh, you, you our tooling has sort of anomaly detection it provides the ability to look at where there's problems or where there might be problems in the future. Uh, that's super helpful to people. Uh, you know, we have the ability to kind of look at outliers, you know, uh, I, I have X number of outliers that are, you know, more than a standard deviation or two standard deviations from the mean. Let's look at why the, those particular transactions are slower than the rest, right? That, that, that kind of tooling is really, really helpful in understanding where there's issues and and then how to go about resolving those issues where we're heading is greater use of ai capabilities to not just sort of help you flag problems that might be occurring but also make suggestions around remediation right that's kind of the next level of helping people navigate 
the the bottlenecks that they have in their processes, right? And then, you, you know, of course, a step beyond that would be then to integrate with some uh, automation solution to kind of help them automate fixing that, fixing those issues, uh, which we're we're starting to do as well uh, with a couple of vendors. So that's sort of the the next generation of of of, uh, of the product that we're working on and then rolling out and prototyping with uh, some of our customers. As far as the team goes, uh, you know, we are now in a completely distributed world, right? Uh, we, yeah, two years ago, we, we, uh, we had a lease uh, in downtown Redwood City, fantastic location. We all, uh, you know, used to uh, ha- have great camaraderie and you know get together for team lunches a few times a week uh, you know, uh, do team events right all of those things we've been uh, w- we haven't been able to do since the pandemic started uh, but what we have been able to do is try to replicate that in in the virtual world right whether it's kind of you know virtual escape rooms uh, you know or kind of uh, lunch mixers on Zoom, right? Uh, we, we, we've been able to do that. We've uh, we've we just got the team together for the first time since the pandemic started in uh, just just a couple of months ago. Uh, you, you know, and, and we we spent a week just sort of you know doing kind of uh, VR shooting and you know, like actual escape rooms and and just sort of building camaraderie and. I, and I expect to do a lot more of that as we move forward. Um, and, and given we're, you know, we're, we're saving money with office space and other things, right? We, we, we have the ability to then do that in, in fun places, right? Like, uh, I think we're planning to go to Mexico next as a, as a, as a team, for instance. So, the, yeah, so those are kind of, you know, the, the ways that we're working on sort of building camaraderie, uh, you know, in, in, in this sort of distributed world. And then, we're hiring people all over the world, right? Like we've got people uh, in, in India, in the UK, right? We, we, we had a bunch of our team members move out of the Bay Area to Houston and Sacramento and, and other places. So it, it really is sort of a distributed uh, global team. And that has its own challenges that, right? So we're putting in place kind of the HR systems that we need to, to be able to manage that. But uh, I, you know, it'll, it'll be interesting to see like when we actually wind up getting an office again. It gets me really excited the way you talk about grabbing data and, you know, helping people think about what are we not thinking about, right? Um, what are we not considering or where might our next problem be? I think that that makes a ton of sense. If you look across IoT and data and all these other things in, in the world, just, just we'll just say data because it comes from anywhere and it's being served up right now, I think people are saying, okay, that's great. Now what? Right? And so being able to to say, okay, yeah, here's the data, here's what's going on, and here's what you need to be thinking about to solve it, I think is, is the next big thing. At, at the end of the day, you know, the more data you have, the smarter the system can be, right? Like, as, you know, you, you, I'm sure you've heard the saying, right? Like, the person, the... the, the the person with the most data wins, so to speak, uh, and it, it, it's it's a bit trite, but you know, oftentimes when we look at a process, and you know, look, a process is a process, is a process, right? Whether I'm talking about 
uh, onboarding for a telco company or you know, claim processing for an insurance company or opening a bank account or financial institution or you know manufacturing an electrical part right there's a it's it's a there's a process there's there's stages there's steps there's tasks and there's different workflows there's you know different ways that work kind of traverses from start to finish and what we do right is hook up the the different data sources that are available to fully understand that process right so like those data sources would be the actual process ana- data right to so we can do the analysis so like uh, how much time is spent at each step of the process wh- when things go from one step to the next step right um that kind of information will also bring in employee data right so everything from employee seniority to uh you know department region title uh customers will even bring in payback information right so i i i know that it takes john 30 minutes to do this particular task but i also know what it costs right me as a company and by extension that i can tell you how much one workflow costs versus another workflow we'll bring in crm data right about customers so that we know you know is this a smb customer what region that customers in uh and then you know there's attributes right uh for these different data points in terms of uh you know like how strategic that customer is how much revenue they're generating uh etc cetera, etc cetera. and and we take all these different data streams right and we put that in in the vitamix right that's the the pies intelligence platform and it has the ability to then you know make correlations um and then also look at the data be able to spot anomalies uh and give you know, the more data streams that we add yeah the m- the more intelligent the system becomes basically let's switch to you prabhat who influences the way that you work you mean ceo a cto an architect really any person that you look up to and why there's a lot of people that have influenced me in my in, in my career um uh, yeah certainly like when when i was at citigroup uh you know john reed was one of those people in terms of uh you know understanding kind of how he managed such a large uh, organization when i was a wiley dick williams who was the the ceo uh and you know dick was at a, a guy who you know been at imem for 25 odd years uh you know worked uh, uh all, all over the world like he he was a very seasoned businessman who kind of came in and really accelerated the growth at wiley and i remember this one time i was you know i was thinking about okay hey maybe i should go get an mba because i i, I was sort of shifting my focus more from the, you know the, the technical side to the business side and uh yeah <laughs> dick goes uh you should just carry a sales bag uh for a year and and you know knock on doors and get people to to, to buy software <laughs> and 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 that was actually you know a great piece of advice right because as a ceo you're i mean you know you are selling right all the time right whether it's it's vcs or right, customers or analysts right or or whatever it is uh but you know having that experience of 
of actually going and selling and engaging. And and I think, you know, I, I mean, I, I I read a bunch of business books and you know management books uh, to kind of supplement some of my knowledge. But I think this 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 whole idea of you know actually getting out in the field and selling was amazing advice that I once got. Right. And and you know of course I look I I I certainly follow kind of you know what who you'd call the trendsetters in the industry uh, today, but I, I think there's a lot that you can learn from um, you know people who are doing interesting things not just in the corporate sector but you know the nonprofit sector um, and, and you know and and I I I, I actually have had. Uh, some couple, a couple of really good experiences, uh, in which you know I've had the chance to not just found for-profit companies, but also kind of you know nonprofits and uh, e- even a social enterprise right along the way. So I, I think it's important to kind of pick up sort of best practices from sort of different different sectors, and you know I've had a chance to sort of work with uh, people you know, across these different fields that had sort of shaped my thinking. We talked about a mistake, but a little bit different spin. If you could go back to the beginning, what would you do differently? Or where would you consider taking a different approach? I mean, there's so many things that, you know, as you look back, you're like, oh, you know, hey, door uh, number two might have been better. But, you know, the, I mean, look, the grass is always greener, right? Is, 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 is a saying for a reason. Uh, there's there's always opportunities to do things differently, um, and it's it's hard to know how it's going to turn out. I, I think, um, uh, like I'll, I'll give you an example. Like we we had this uh, we we had an acquisition offer a couple of years ago, right? And we like a bunch of people sort of told me to sell right at that point in time, and we. You know, sure, we could have sold, and like, you know, so, but like, as I at that point in time, I actually felt pretty strongly that we had the opportunity to build a, a much bigger business, right? And if you sort of look at maybe the first year after that offer, you know, like people probably would have been right in sort of saying, "Hey, you should sell because." It, it, you know, whatever, I could be sitting on an island sipping Mai Tais or something, right? But fast forward two years and absolutely the wrong decision, right? Uh, if, if, we, if, if we had sold the company because we are scaling so fast, we're, you know, building shareholder value, we're, we're helping more customers be successful than ever before, we're signing bigger and bigger contracts. So I... You know, I think at any given time, you've got to, you know, make the best decision that you can with, you know, and then be confident in that decision and then kind of, you know, go on all in till you have data that tells you otherwise, right? Like like we did with uh, sort of changing our focus from B2C to enterprise. Um, but, you know, as far as kind of just, you know, decisions go, I, I think, you know, once you place the bet, you kind of see it through, so to speak, right? Well, last question. So you're getting on a plane, and you're sitting next to a young entrepreneur who's built the next big thing. They're jazzed about it. They can't wait to show it off to the world. They can't wait to show it off to you right there on the plane. What advice do you give that person having gone down this road a bit? 
you're you're in for a roller coaster. Uh, <laughs> make sure your seatbelts are buckled. <laughs> <laughs> right? I and look, if you're building a SaaS business, uh, right, like conservatively, you need to be able to give it 24 months, right, to to see real real traction and and sort of growth starting. Um, I, I think the 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 advice that I would give is make sure you're in it right for the long haul because you know you'll have all kinds of things yet right? from from personnel issues to you know like funding issues to uh you know customer issues and fires and you you, you name it right um so you really got to be committed uh to making sure that you're you're gonna make you know essentially failure is not an option Right. You have to go in with the mindset of, look, I'm going to make this successful. I'm committed to making it successful. I'm going to do what it, what's needed. And uh, if you have that mindset, right, everything else is kind of details. You'll, right, where there's a will, there's a way. I'm a big believer of that. And you, if, if you don't have that mindset, if you're like, oh, you know, I'll, I'll try this for six months. And if it, it, you know, if it works out, great. If not, then you know I'll, I can go get a, another job or something, right? If if that's kind of the the mindset or the approach that you have, like you, you know, stick to your day job would be my advice, right? Or 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 go get another job that's more satisfying. Uh, but uh, you know, entrepreneurship is is obviously amazing, and uh, you know, it's it's so easy these days to become an entrepreneur because of you know whether it's access to capital or you know, the the tooling that exists to sort of get an MVP out the door um, uh, you know if you've got a good idea and you've got commitment uh, right you, you can start that journey but you know you got you got to find the team and you got to find the money and you got to find the customers and you know those those are not easy things to do I think that's great advice well Prabhat thank you for being on the show today thank you for telling the creation story of pies. Yeah, no, my pleasure. And this concludes another chapter of Coat Story. Coat Story is hosted and produced by Noah Laphart. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the podcasting app of your choice. Support the show on patreon.com slash Story for just five to ten bucks a month. And when you get a chance, leave us a review. Both things help us out tremendously. And thanks again for listening.